Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I am your host, Mike Sadam. And before we jump into today's episode, could you please take one or two seconds to subscribe to and rate the podcast? I would greatly appreciate it. Just click the subscribe button and click the five-star rating. It really helps grow the audience of people we have that we can engage with on the Crucial Talks podcast. And also, if you ever need to get in touch with me, please visit my website at www.crucialtalks.com. I'd love to hear from you and connect with you. Now, today's guest is Jill Christensen. And on this podcast, we talk a lot about people as social storytellers. And the key word there is social, that we crave belonging, that we get esteem from others, that we want to be part of groups. The same thing from when we were in tribes around a campfire. And that's what I love about what Jill does. Because I've been following her on LinkedIn, and that's where I connected with her. But I also see her around things like Facebook and Twitter. And so it's a real pleasure to have her here on the podcast, because even though she is a professional speaker and a best-selling author, when you engage with her online and you see what she's doing, she never really pushes that stuff because what she's actually doing is trying to help people. It really appears as if she does care about employee engagement and how that affects our workplaces and our organizations. So Jill is a founder and president of Jill Christensen International, where she actually teaches companies how to increase employee engagement. She works all around the world. And before launching her own business, she was a corporate executive. Now, her book is called If Not You, Who? and is an Amazon best-selling business book. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Jill Christensen. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm so pleased to be here and to continue my role in life, which is to evangelize about employee engagement and how important it is to have an amazing workplace culture that nobody can imagine leaving. Well, and that's what's great because there's, I mean, there's so much work out there for people that mm-hmm. we're actually trying to retain employees and we're trying to bring new employees in. Now, I know that one of the things you are is an employee engagement influencer. So when we're talking about employee engagement, what does this actually mean? Like, what's it mean to you and, and to us as part of organizations trying to have better workplace cultures? And so, you know, at, at the end of the day, the reason why employee engagement matters is because there's a direct correlation between employee engagement and profitable revenue growth. And so we know that every organization in the world wants to grow, wants to succeed, wants to keep its doors open. And there is no simpler way to do that than to ensure that your employees love your senior leaders, feel an emotional connection to your organization, and are going into the workplace each and every day and giving 110% discretionary effort and doing every single thing that they can um, to ensure that your organization succeeds. And if you think about the benefits of that, it means, you know, because these people um, are so engaged, it means they're more productive, they're going to stay longer. They provide a better customer experience. They're absent less. They steal less. They have fewer quality issues. And again, all of these things equate to your customer experience being extraordinary. And when your customer experience is extraordinary, your customers are going to keep coming back for more. And that's how you drive that profitability. Well, and it kind of seems like sometimes organizations kind of flip that, right? They, they put mm-hmm. the head and they they pretty much just push, push, push the employees to meet these goals or meet meet these targets. When what you're kind of saying kind of flips that on its head a little bit, 
by by talking about employee engagement, it seems like employee engagement is more of a kind of like a pull, like they will come along with the right techniques and tactics to get em- employees engaged and the rest of those things will come with them. Exactly. So employees know exactly what they need to do to be the best version of themselves every single day. And if you create a workplace culture that inspires and motivates people to be that, you will get the best version of them every single day. And so I always say to organizations, what you need to be doing is creating an employee-centric culture. And so you need to put your people first, because when you put your people first, they will be so engaged that they create an extraordinary customer experience. So you put your people first, your people put your customers first, and then because that customer experience is amazing, your customers are going to keep choosing you over the competition. And that is how you drive that extraordinary level of profitable revenue growth. So it kind of sounds like if, if a company, if an organization, say they're selling something and they have this high level of, of employee engagement, that mm-hmm. equates to the employee feeling like they are a, a strong member, an in-group member, a part of that company. And because of that, when they talk to customers, when they talk to other stakeholders outside the company, if they make the right attachment now through their influence, now that customer feels like they're part of that organization almost. And they have a almost like a brand loyalty just because you planted that seed of employee engagement. Absolutely. So also we know that engaged employees breed engaged customers, right? So if you think about any experience that you've ever had, Mike, you know, in a restaurant or in a store, right? So I can think about, you know, going into Nordstrom and, you know, me having an amazing customer experience, right? In a store like that, where they treat me like gold. That's a store that I'm going to go back and keep shopping at because I remember in my mind that, you know, those employees, you could tell that they were putting me first. And that's because an organization like Nordstrom gets it and they put their people first. And so they're setting their people up to succeed They're setting their customers up to succeed because they understand that magic formula. And the magic formula for employee engagement is that put your people first, your people will put your customers first, and your customers will keep coming back for more. Because again, it's so critical to remember that your employees have a choice each and every day. When they walk into your workplace, and whether that's physically or whether they turn on their computer from home because they're remote, they have a choice. They can go above and beyond the call of duty and give you 110% discretionary effort, or they can give you scraps. And when your employees are disengaged, they give you scraps. Every person in the world knows just barely what they have to do to get by at work to not lose their job. And your people who are disengaged, your people who don't feel like they are trusted, they are recognized, that they're making a difference, where their voice is heard at work. When people are absent of those things in a workplace, they are not going to go above and beyond the call of duty, and they are going to show up and just give you the bare minimum effort. And that's what we have going on today in the world. So the numbers are pretty dismal. We have 13% employee engagement globally, 30% in the United States of America. So that means that around the globe, almost 90% of employees are showing up every day They're sleepwalking through their day. They're on a hamster wheel. They're just going through the motions. They're doing what they have to do to get by. And in the United States, that looks like about two-thirds of employees. So if you think about the fact that these people are interacting with your customers, 
imagine what that customer experience must feel like, right? It doesn't feel like the type of experience you have when you walk into a Nordstrom. It doesn't feel like the type of experience you have when you get on a Southwest Airlines plane. It doesn't feel like the type of experience you have when you check into a Ritz-Carlton hotel. These are all organizations that get it and they understand this value proposition. And so when we're talking about engagement and experience and these kind of buzzwords, what do we actually mean by all that? I mean, how are people, how are the employees? Now, just taking it, I, I get it from kind of like the senior level that you want to have employees engaged because it gives you this great return on investment. But at the core level for these employees, what emotions are actually going through them when they're engaged? Like what's driving yeah. them all this extra, all this extra stuff, all this extra work? Exactly. So th- it's very clear. The definition of employee engagement means that an employee trusts senior leaders and they feel an emotional connection to the organization or to your brand. And so, you know, they really believe in the people who are leading the operation and who are leading them. Um, They feel that they're being recognized. They feel acknowledged. They feel appreciated. They feel heard. They feel like what they do every single day is making a difference and adding value and that they have meaning. You know, and this is incredibly important, especially for the millennials, because when we talk to millennials and we say to them, why do you get up and go to work every day? Many of them say, because I want to change the world. And so as an employer, you have got to be showing your millennials that what they do is not just a job, that they are not just a number, that your organization would not be as well off as it is without them. And you need to continually be giving them feedback and recognizing them and asking them for their input. And so again, it's really a feeling of belonging, employee engagement. And so when a person feels like they are respected and that communications are good and that they belong and that they have a place there and that place is important, that's what drives those high levels of employee engagement. Well, and I I love everything you said there because you're talking about millennials and it's almost like mm-hmm. you're talking to senior leaders. It's almost like it's a, like a negative connotation. But what I tell people is I'm like, look, I don't care if you're Gen X, Gen Y, Gen whatever, you're a millennial, you, however we label somebody, they're still a person. And I know for a fact that what drives people has not changed ever, except the things that have changed are not the people and the emotions and emotional decision-making but it's how we run organizations and it's how we use social media and it's how we, how we put sometimes nowadays, especially after the industrial revolution where we've almost, we've put numbers first and we've treated people as parts of some big machine because we learned that from the industrial revolution. And now we're saying, Hey, this person's not doing a good job. Hey, they just must be broken and we'll just replace that part. Mm -hmm. But, what you're saying is, look, everybody is a person. So if we're able to, to access these deeper emotions, these deeper motivations, these things that have driven people forever, if we can engage with that, if we can have, a, have access to that, that's when we get more engagement. We get people doing extra stuff. We get them going beyond just hitting their numbers or just trying not to get in trouble or just doing enough not to get fired. They're actually doing things that can bring the entire organization, probably even entire industry further forward. Absolutely. And Mike, you really hit the nail on the head here because one of the biggest 
um, complaints, if you will, that I hear from organizations is that employee engagement is difficult. And you know what? Employee engagement is not difficult. In order to re-engage your employees or to keep them engaged from the get-go, you need to meet their basic human needs. And so to your point, again, this is not rocket science. People ask me, Jill, how could you have one four-step strategy in your book that you propose works in every industry with every generation of workers in every country because people are different? And my response to that, and again, you hit the head, Mike, people are not different. Every single one of your employees is a human being. And for the most part, human beings are wired similarly. What engages and inspires me engages and inspires you. And what disengages and deflates me disengages and deflates you. Very few people go to work for money. People go to work because they want to know that they're adding value, they have a voice and that voice is being heard, they're making a difference, they're changing the world, they're acknowledged and appreciated for a job well done. These are basic human needs. And if you can create a workplace culture that tells and shows people that every moment of every day, you will have the most engaged workforce you've ever seen in your life. Well, I, I totally love everything you're talking about because, you know, I talked to somebody the other day and they're trying to figure out where, where I came up with some of my ideas. And mm-hmm. they were kind of surprised to hear that I got it from ter- counterterrorism studies where we were actually taught how to analyze through social identity these terrorist groups. Mm-hmm. And that really clicked for me because I'm like, look, if, if a terrorist is willing to blow themselves up, they're not doing it because they're nuts. They're doing it because they find such a strong connection to the group. And so it's kind of a weird translation for people when I talk about it, because what you're saying is kind of the same thing, which is, look, people are driven by the same emotional things we always have been. Group belonging, getting esteem from what we're doing, feeling value, feeling like we're important, feeling like we can yeah. do something to make, to change the world. And by, by thinking about those things, it kind of, it kind of changes the lens that maybe a senior leader or a manager or a supervisor can put on because they're in the same situation. Like they go into work and they're trying to lead this big company. They're in the same situation as they were yesterday. But it sounds like with your four-step strategy, with your book, with your presentations, with your consulting, it's giving them a way to put on a lens to look through that now, yeah, they're in the same situation, but now they're able to treat their employees differently because all they've done is change the lens they look through when they're dealing with that situation. Absolutely. And here's the best part about that. You can start doing it tomorrow and it's free, right? So it's free. And, And this is just about you making an organization and the management within that organization making the choice. But for the first step in that, Mike, is the acknowledgement. So an organization first has to have the confidence and courage to acknowledge our culture is not where it needs to be, and that's not okay, and we are going to do something about it, right? And so the first step in any person or organization growing is acknowledging the development area and then committing to changing things. And then again, like you just said, once you commit, once you acknowledge that there's a problem and that you've committed to making things better, it's about you simply shifting, shifting how you view it shifting what you do on a daily basis so that people start to feel more recognized and listened to and a part of the solution. Um, 
And again, these things are incredibly simple. And, and like I said a moment ago, they are also free. And so an employee engagement journey does not have to be difficult. It does not have to be expensive, but it does have to be incredibly strategic, right? So it's about you really taking an honest step back and saying, where are we strong? Where are we falling short? And what can we do to fix that? And then you approaching it as an organization. And so here's another huge point that I make in my keynote speeches and in my books. Employee engagement should not be owned by human resources. And I truly believe that's why we have not moved the needle in 30 years. And this is not a dig against human resources professionals. Strategic HR professionals are fantastic. However, even though HR owns employee engagement, they don't own the people who have the greatest impact on employee engagement. And that's your frontline managers. Your frontline managers are the people who have the most interaction with your employees on a day-to-day basis. And so in order for you to change a culture, HR cannot own employee engagement and roll it out like a program or an initiative. Bottom line, you have to bring all of your managers together and say to them, our culture is not where it needs to be and we're going to change that. The definition of culture is how we do things here. And so in order to change our culture, we all collectively need to do things here differently tomorrow than we're doing here today. That's how you change a culture. But it's not just HR doing things differently. It's not HR setting up the culture committee. That doesn't work. It's you bringing together the people who really impact the culture and getting them to see collectively that we're not where we need to be. Let's make a commitment together to change this. And here are the things that all of us need to start doing differently tomorrow in order to start driving enormous levels of engagement and getting the best out of our people. Uh, I love what you said there because that, that collective view on where you want to go is so huge. Like sometimes, you know, we bring up in strategic planning and all of this stuff, we bring up these visions and goals and these words and we, we put down the words, but what really has an impact is not the words themselves, but if we can actually create that vision within other human beings, like it's, it goes back to people as social storytellers that we can create, we can construct reality with each other. And by doing that, everybody starts moving the same direction. And it's so great that we're, that human beings can do this because that's how we've gotten from where we were to where we are today. And it sounds like that's also what you're saying that, Hey, look, we're not just talking about getting from no internet in the nineties to smartphones that do everything in 2018. You're saying that it's, it can happen not in that long period of time, and it can actually start happening tomorrow. Just changing how you view things. 100%. How you view things and also what you do. And so again, you have to view things in reality. You have to view things as they are today, right? Which is our culture isn't where it needs to be, and we need to fix this. We need to change this. And then you need to set forth a strategy and a plan for what you're going to be doing differently moving forward. You know, and it's so interesting. Because I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be a part of a successful business um, where people are happy, people are engaged, everyone's giving it their all, right? Yet we systematically build these dysfunctional cultures that cause people to pull back, that cause people to retreat, that cause people to be miserable. 
And so again, I think it's just, it's incredible that we know what we should be doing and we continue to not do it. And then worst of all, Mike, we continue to make excuses. And the biggest excuse that I've seen is, oh, it's the millennials fault, right? Because we're on the cusp of millennials making up 50% of our workforce globally. And so what I have seen is that it is so much easier for a senior leader to say, oh, those millennials, they complain about everything, they're entitled, they had helicopter parents, they expect regular recognition, they want to hear how they're doing, they want us to communicate openly and honestly, like what's wrong with them, right? And so the millennials almost have this like, you know, black label across them. And I believe a lot of that started because senior leaders didn't like the fact that they were standing up and saying, I'm not okay with the fact that this culture is dysfunctional. What are you going to do about it? What are you doing to create that amazing workplace that will enable me to soar? And by the way, if you don't, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to quit on you. And so because millennials were that open and honest and direct, it was so much easier for senior leaders to say, oh, those problem millennials, than to say, you know what? They've got something there. They're really seeing things for reality and how they are. Maybe we should listen to them. Maybe we should partner with them to create the type of workplace cultures that millennials are yearning for. But senior leaders, many of them didn't do that. They chose to point the finger back at the people who were giving them the extraordinary feedback and blame them, if you will, for who they inherently are. Yeah, that is awesome the way you said that because I see a few people out there that are saying, hey, I'm a millennial expert. I'm a millennial coach. I can help you with your millennial problem. And I guess my issue with that is is kind of what you're saying that everybody can be looked at through the lens of being a person and that if we look through a certain group, if we label a certain group as a problem to be solved and not Mm -hmm. a solution to how we get better, that closes off a lot of stuff that we can actually do in our organizations to to make the entire workplace better for everybody. I don't care what age you are, how long you've been with the company, it's closing off this, by just labeling, it's closing off the ability to see this broader picture like you're talking about. Exactly, because do you want to know what, Mike? What the millennials are saying they want in a workplace, every generation wants in a workplace. They just didn't have the confidence and courage to speak up in mass right? Like there were people along the way when I worked in corporate America, I I was one of them who would regularly question, who would regularly ask why, who would regularly speak up. And we were labeled the problem children, Mm -hmm. right? Most people didn't want to say a word because they were afraid of losing their job. They didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't have the self-confidence or the courage, right? We're now looking at a generation that is wired that way, that is wired to let you know what they think let you know, you know, what they think needs to be improved, help you improve it, right? And partner with you. But, but they're working with, in many instances, not all instances, groups of leaders who are not open to leading that way. They're command and control leaders who say, you know, I know what's best. I'm going to make the decisions. And this is, you know, how we're going to be moving forward. And so, you know, how millennials are wired is different in a work environment than how many leaders are wired and how they were raised to lead. Um, But leadership needs to change and leadership needs to shift because the truth of the matter is 
the way leaders have been leading for the past hundred years wasn't working for any of the generations before the millennials either, right? There's right. always been an enormous gap, enormous in virtually every company between leaders and employees, us versus them, corporate versus the field, right? U.S. versus international. It's always this, you know, this issue, this huge divide. And again, many times the divide is greatest between the senior leadership team and the masses, right? The employee body. And for the past hundred years, most organizations have done nothing about it. They haven't listened to workers. They haven't said, you know, maybe there's a different way that we could be leading that would be more effective, right? But now you've got a generation of workers in the workforce that make up 50% of the workforce who are speaking up. And to them, I say, I am so happy you are here because you're open, you're honest, you're telling people, you're telling the leaders what you want, and you're letting the leaders know, if you do not create this for me, and I'll, I'm going to give you some time, right? I know you can't create it tomorrow, that I'm going to leave. And that's why they're leaving, Mike. Millennials don't want a job hop. They don't want to only be in an organization for 18 months. But because the vast majority of organizations in our world have crappy, dysfunctional workplace cultures, it is driving these millennials away because they are not willing to put up with it the way generations before them did. Yeah, they are looking for a group to belong to. And in the past, it may have been that it was more important for the family unit to bring home a paycheck every two weeks than it is to get that self-esteem and self-actualization. But people that are leaving companies are leaving them because they're going to other companies to try to find that sense of belonging. That's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. Absolutely. And so, you know, millennials want to belong. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves and make an enormous difference. Now, that truly is not unlike, again, the generations before them and generations, gen, Generation Z coming up behind them feels the same exact way. However, the generations before them just weren't vocal about it. And if they didn't get their needs met, they put up with it. But you want to know why they put up with it, Mike? I call it the golden handcuffs. Because years ago, there were things like pension plans and the Rolex watch that you received at your 40th service anniversary in the five-star restaurant in your town where all of your colleagues and family members you know, were invited to attend. Health benefits for life, right? Like mm -hmm. organizations from years past really doled out enormous benefits to employees through retirement, after retirement, and these are the things that kept people in the companies. And so we don't have those things anymore, right? In many instances, those perks do not exist. Your pension plan is you contributing to your 401k and you making good decisions about your investment options, right? They, companies are not just, you know, many companies. Some are, but the vast majority of companies have done away with health benefits for life and the pension plans. And it's going to even be interesting to see how the ones that have promised those things to people are actually going to be able to deliver on those, right? There's talk now that General Electric may have to break up into hundreds of smaller companies because it can't meet its pension obligations. And so it's just very interesting to me that you know, the things that companies use, the carrots, if you will, to dangle over employees' heads, 
which caused people to say, oh, look at everything they're going to give me. I'm just going to put up with it. Those don't exist anymore in many companies, in many organizations, in many industries. And so, you know, organizations no longer have a carrot. They don't have anything to dangle over a person's head. And so it causes an employee to look at, well, if I'm not going to be looking into the future and what they're going to be giving me then, I need to be looking at today and what they're giving me now. Oh, and what are they giving me now? A crappy dysfunctional workplace culture? I'll pass. Right. No, I love all of this stuff you're saying because it fits right in line with everything this podcast talks about, including the fact, I mean, you, you said so much, there's so much value in there. But what I'm hearing is, hey, look, if we just recognize that our organization, where we're at today, we can develop this, what I call, a, well, I didn't make it up, I use it for somebody else, but a superordinate goal, something that transcends the different groups we have in an organization, from HR to managers to the workers to the uh, line-level supervisors to C-suite executives, that the superordinate goal, everybody has a role to play. And if we give them this broader goal and we all can see that we're working toward it, they will work toward that goal within their role. But then what is also great about what you're saying about this uh, example of millennials is not only the superordinate goal is important, but really the superordinate identity, that identities drive everything we do, how we see the world, how we behave, how we feel. And it sounds like that if organizations take these steps that you're talking about, they're actually creating this superordinate identity that a millennial or any other label you want to talk about can come into. Like, it doesn't matter if you were born in 1990. It doesn't matter if you played sports. It's something that you can now be a part of that through this engagement of employees, through this four-step process, you're able to, to give people what they've always wanted, what their ancestors have always wanted, which is group belonging, group cohesion, and a sense of self-esteem from belonging to that group. Absolutely. And you know what? It's the best gift that you can give anyone who works for you because it's the gift that keeps giving. When an employee is engaged, they are going to give you every single thing they've got and then some. They're going to go above and beyond the call of duty. They are going to trust your leaders. They are going to be amazing ambassadors for your brand. They are going to stay longer. They are going to be more creative. They are going to make fewer mistakes. They're going to create the most amazing customer experience, right? All you have to do to get all of those benefits is to create a workplace that shows people. We hear you, we honor you, we respect you, we thank you, and you are a part of our future, right? You're important. Together, let's build something amazing together. And when you create that type of an environment, like, like the world is your oyster, right? And it's amazing to me how many companies don't see this because it is so simple. It's just basic tenants of treating people with respect, of meeting their basic human needs, and of making them feel important and valued. And again, it is, you know, organizations I hear all the time, I speak in a different city every week, and people come up to me every single week and say, oh, but Jill, this is so hard. Oh, but Jill, this is so difficult. It's not. The way you've been approaching it historically is hard and difficult. And so what I bring to the table is a four-step strategy that works to re-engage your employees. And it's nothing you've ever tried in the past. 
And it's something that I've executed in 15 different industries and it works. And so what I say to organizations is what you've been doing historically doesn't work. So it's about time you try something different because this is of the utmost importance to your shareholders, to your customers, to your board, to your vendors, to your community, and to the people who work for you, to your greatest asset. Absolutely. I love, I love everything you said because you said it's the best gift you can give because it keeps on giving. And really, that makes so much sense to me because if you just – if you just affect a certain number of people because of you know three degrees of influence, they're going to that's going to spread. And I tell everyone, hey, think of your organization. You may not be able to bring a hundred percent of everybody with you, but think of your organization as like a bell curve. And if you're able to shift that middle of the bell curve to the right, you'll even be, bring people on the tail end further to the right. So even if you don't get everybody, you're going to get most of everybody, and that's going to bring the entire organization a little bit better. And as time goes on, it's just going to build momentum because everybody is starting to think the same way and they're starting to have influence on each other and they're starting to look out for each other. Yes, absolutely. You've got it. Well, I love everything you talked about. I really do. From the trust to the social belonging to the esteem people want to how even when we label people as different, like we label people as millennials. They aren't really different because they're still people and they're still mm-hmm. driven by emotional belonging. And so with all of this value you've talked about, I know people listening are going to be like, okay, so she speaks, she's an author, she's a consultant. That's all great. But how do we get more information from Jill? So my question now is, if people want to know more about you, if they want to get in contact with you, if they're like, look, I need her to come talk to us, or I at least need to get her on the phone or something, mm-hmm. how do they get a hold of you? Okay, well, the first thing that I would um, ask people to do is if you text my name, Jill, to the number 42828, you will start, first of all, you'll receive a PDF called the Top 10 Tips to Reengage Employees, and you will get on my list for my weekly blog. And so every single week, I blog about employee engagement, I blog about how to create an amazing workplace culture, I blog about how to become a great leader, and also in um, that newsletter, is my upcoming speaking lineup. And so there you can see all of the places that I'm speaking live. I'm typically in a different city every week. I would love for your podcast listeners um, to come out and see me. All of my contact information is available on my website, which is jillchristensenintl.com. But again, I really encourage you to continue the conversation with me and to stay up to the minute as to what is going on in this space. So the fact that I'm a thought leader means that I feel like it's my responsibility um, to keep my finger on the pulse of culture change and employee engagement and to constantly be learning new things and then sharing that knowledge with you. And so that's what I do through my blog. So if you have an interest in this area, please, I encourage you to sign up for that. Um, And then again, there'll be lots of links there to um, my blog archive, my speaking lineup, other other work that I do and how um, I can potentially help your organization. Um, And then anyone who wants to reach me um, can do so so through any of the contact mechanisms in my blog or on my website. Well, let's not forget if they need a lot more information, they just need to get your book and start reading that thing. Absolutely. And it's a short read. Um, I actually went into a studio and recorded it for Audible and it took me two hours to read. So if you are on a treadmill for 60 minutes a day, 
or at the gym for 60 minutes a day, you can get through my book in two gym sessions. Um, and it's called, If Not You Who? Cracking the Code to Employee Disengagement. And I think I went on Amazon yesterday and I see that they have it on sale for the holidays. Um, so I encourage everyone to go to Amazon and check that out. And again, I would love to meet you all live. And if you have any questions about the topic that we're talking about today, please feel free to reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to help you. Perfect. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. So text Jill to 42828 for the top 10 tips. And I'll also put the link to your uh, website, jillchristiansenintl.com. And also they can get to the book through there, um, to that website also. Now we have some listeners that are international. And I don't think that text works internationally or does. No, it does not work internationally. Um, That only works inside of the United States. And so if you wanted to sign up for my blog and you are located outside of the U.S., you need to go to my website. And then if you click on the blog link in the top navigation bar on my blog page, there's a link to sign up for my weekly blog. And then it will land in your inbox every single Thursday. Perfect. I'll make sure I uh, put that in the show notes and we'll... We'll again have links to the website um, and I'll also put the note about what number to text to. So if you didn't get that, go ahead and go to the show notes and you'll see it. So Jill, thanks again so much for taking time to talk to us. Um, I think it it really did hit a lot of people. It's it impacts everybody. And it really, you know, we're we spend so much time at work and so much time being with each other at work that what you're talking about for the work experience is so important. So I want to thank you again for being on the podcast and thank everybody out there for listening. I just have one favor to ask. If you can, hit the subscribe button, put the five stars on there. Let's grow this community of people that are trying to make everything we do better throughout the world, throughout your communities, throughout your workplaces. We all want this positive, strength-based existence of life. So if you can, please do that. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to reach out by going to www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me, email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever's easiest for you. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.